Come on, let's give them a big hand. That is amazing, beautiful. Good job, choir. See you back there. <laughs> We're blessed to have uh, people that love Jesus and know how to sing well. That's a good combination, right? Good. Merry Christmas, everyone. How are you? You look great. You sounded great. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together. Uh, I'm Pastor Brady. If you, we have a lot of guests here, I don't assume you know who I am. But I've been here 14 and a half years now at New Life Church, and we, uh, we love Colorado. Good place. I met a family that had just moved here in, after the 2 o'clock service, and I said, listen, uh, these, this, this church is a good group of people. Uh, almost all of them are nice, and we love, we love each other. We're a messy group, but we love Jesus, and we're doing good things in the city. And if, we, if you're looking for a church home, we'd love to have you at New Life Church. Turning the Bible to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to talk to you about an essential story. So I'm not going to talk to you today about the, 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 the sanitized Christian story. I'm going to tell you an essential story that is critical to our faith. This story has been retold now for 2,000 years. And it's a story that we need to keep hearing. Every year we gather back in this room, and we've been doing it now for, you know, 37 years here at New Life Church, but we gather back in this room every year around the same time to remind ourselves of how our story began. And it started in a barn with a couple of scared teenagers who had this commission from God to bring forth the God baby. And so I'm gonna to read to you the whole 10 verses out of Luke chapter two. So I want you to imagine that I'm Linus in the Charlie Brown Christmas special, because this is the scripture that he reads, okay? I'm not as cute as Linus, but I'll, be, I'll, I'll read it as best I can. Luke chapter two, verse one. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph, he also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David, which by the way, fulfilled the Hebrew prophecy that Jesus, the Messiah, would spring forth from the root of Jesse, the stump of Jesse, which was the father of David. So he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married and was expecting a child. And we know that story that Mary became pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit and went and told the news to Joseph. An angel appears to Joseph and says, this child is from God, raise this child, take care of Mary. And that's exactly what he was doing. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Now just stop just for a moment. Joseph and Mary are by themselves. I don't know what you were doing at 19, 20 years old, but you were probably not in a barn with, your, with someone your own age giving birth to God. And this is what's happening. This is what's happening in this story, a couple of scared teenagers. They, they, everything about this moment is bigger than they've ever imagined. And she gave birth. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields. I love this part of the story too. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Put up verse eight, please. There we go. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now these are blue collar, wake up in the middle of the night, work all night kind of guys. These are guys that know how to work hard and sweat for a dollar. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared to them 
and none of them died of cardiac arrest. I guarantee you they weren't all in good shape. And there were some cardiac issues in the group that night and none of them died. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified, which is the greatest understatement in all of the Bible. They were terrified. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. New Life Church, can we just pray tonight and ask something? I've been asking this now for several weeks as I preach here at New Life. Can we listen to these familiar Bible stories? Maybe for some of you, this is the first time you've ever heard this story, but I suspect here in Colorado Springs, most of you have heard the story before. But can we ask tonight that the Holy Spirit would give us fresh eyes and fresh ears to receive this beautiful story. So Father in heaven, we're here tonight and we need you to speak to us. We ask, Lord, that you would do more than just speak to us. We pray that you would change us and shape us and inform us of your goodness. So Lord, tonight I pray that we would leave here more in love with Jesus, more understanding of who you are than when we came in. And we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Before I get forward, I just want to welcome, there's a lot of people watching online. We, uh, I know several families that have COVID, they're COVID positive and they're quarantined in their house and they, they called us this week and we're real sad. We're not gonna be able to be there tonight. And so can we just say, we're, that, can we just give them a shout out and say, we're thinking about you. We, we know you're there. We pray for your healing. I pray for all those who are sick. I'm coming out of a bit of a nasty head cold myself the last three weeks. So I just wanna know there could be uh, sneezing, coughing, all those things. So I've already prayed over the front row, covered in the name of Jesus. None of you are gonna get sick. I'm not, I'm not contagious, I promise. So I wanna take you back to this familiar story and tell you about the essentials of this story. Now growing up, so you may know this from my accent, but I grew up in very rural North Louisiana five miles off the Marshall Highway outside of Logansport, Louisiana is where I was born and raised. And for 13, my first 13 years of life, I lived across the street from my Uncle Red and my Aunt Sybil. Now, the reason we called him Uncle Red is because he had red hair. And that's what we do in the South, right? We give you nicknames based on body appearance. So we have no shame. So Uncle Red, Aunt Sybil. And they were my favorite relatives. I don't mean mother relatives to be offended, but these were my favorites. Aunt Sybil, to this day, I'm 55 years old next month, and to this day, she is the best cook that I've ever, ever experienced in my whole life. I, I've eaten at Michelin star-rated restaurants. I would prefer my Aunt Sybil's cooking. So she's just an amazing cook. And so every Christmas Eve, we would walk across the street. It's a two-lane paved highway, and my Aunt Sybil would have cornbread dressing and turkey and ham and pumpkin pie and all kinds of pie. Now listen, some of you don't know what cornbread dressing is and I'm sorry for that. Some of you I know are stuffing people and I'm sorry that you were raised in such a terrible way. I know that's, that's damaged most of you for, to be raised with stuffing, but until you've discovered cornbread dressing, you've not lived yet, okay? So especially my Aunt Sybil's cornbread dressing. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about out here tonight? All right, there's like 30 of you. So cornbread dressing, look it up, Google it tonight and make it tomorrow, it'll change your family, okay? It'll change everything about Christmas. So when we would go over there and we would eat five to 10,000 calories, it seemed like, all right? Now growing up in the deep South, everything is comfort food. I didn't know how uncomfortable I was growing up until I realized that everything I ate growing up 
was comfort food. But it was cornbread dressing, all this stuff. So we'd eat until we were almost comatose. And then for 13 straight years, this is not an exaggeration. Everything I've told you is true. For 13 straight years, my brother, who's only two years younger than me, we could, we could count on two gifts being given to us. It was, a, it was the first thing was this package of tube socks. Do you remember socks that you pulled up to your knees that had their colored rings around it? Now I'm talking about the 1970s here. So shorts came to here and socks came to here. It's a beautiful look, I'm just telling you. And it's gonna make a comeback. And I'll be the first to declare, I'm prophesying it will come back. So we'd get these tube socks and we loved them. And then we got a package, a three pack, Fruit of the Loom, Whitey Tidies. For 13 straight years. Now when we, when we became teenagers, we actually asked our, our Aunt Sybil, now that we're teenage boys, young men, can you not give us underwear? It's, it's, it got, became embarrassing. But when you're eight years old, the thing you need the most when you're eight years old is a three pack of Whitey Tidies, I'm just telling you. We could count on it. Now the reason I'm telling you that silly story is because my Christmas every year would start with the essentials, the basics. I would walk back across the street and my mom and dad would always have other gifts for us there and they always had a great Christmas for us, but we, I would always walk back across that road with my tube socks and my whitey tidies and my Christmas started with the essentials. So tonight I wanna to show you the essentials of this story. And some of you have heard this before, but I'm here to remind old saints and new believers of the essentials of this story. And here's the first thing that's very important. Jesus, when he was born, he became vulnerable for the helpless. There was nothing more helpless, nothing more vulnerable than a newborn baby. I mean, babies are vulnerable. Pam and I adopted Abram and Callie at birth and we were able to bring them home after we adopted them. They were babies, they were newborns. And so Abram, this is a, a true story. Abram had just been born, he was born in October. So November and December, we lived in Amarillo, Texas. And when we lived there, an ice storm came through, knocked out all the electricity in town. And the little house that we were living in was heated only by electricity. So the house got cold pretty quick. It was like 10 degrees outside. So Pam and I are brand new parents. You remember when you were brand new parents, you know, by yourself? And so Pam and I were just, we were, you know, we were scared that something bad was gonna to happen to Abram. So we took Abram and we wrapped him in every warm thing that we could find in the house. It's lucky he didn't die of suffocation, quite honestly. He was not gonna die of frostbite, but he could have died of suffocation. So we put him, we wrap him up and we put him right in between us and we're in the bed with us. So Pam and I are right up next to him. We got him right in between us and his face just started turning blood red and we realized we had overcorrected. <laughs> but we got through that night and we realized though that as a parent, that, that, that the babies are vulnerable. And there's nothing more vulnerable than holding that newborn in your hands as a first time dad and a first time mom realizing you're responsible for their life. And there's no one weaker than a mom who's just given birth. So I want you to think about the three main characters of this story. One is a newborn baby, vulnerable. One is a mom who's just given birth and her mom wasn't there to help. There was no doctors there to give her help. She basically gave herself a home birth with her 19 year old boyfriend trying to do the best he knew how to do. She's vulnerable. And that's how this story begins. Two frightened teenagers in a barn with a God baby. 
And I just want to say the reason I'm telling you this story is some of you this last 21 months have felt vulnerable. And I want to give you permission. All the tough guys in the room, look at me. It's okay to tell people that you're not okay. It's okay to tell your friends and people that trust you if you're anxious, if you feel vulnerable, if you feel isolated, something's not right. Because Jesus knows what it feels like to be vulnerable. And that's the very reason he came into the world is to rescue and to surround the vulnerable. And that's important in this story. Here's the second essential thing about this story is he was born in obscurity for the forgotten. And Jesus is always looking for the overlooked. He's looking for those who have been forgotten. And, and, and the, the very place where Jesus was born was a forgotten town. I mean, Bethlehem was a forgotten town to the Romans. I guarantee you when they told the Roman officials that Jesus had been born in Bethlehem, that nobody in Rome knew where Bethlehem was. It was a place that you ended up in if you got lost. There were no, there were no pamphlets for tourism to Bethlehem. It was a, it was a out of the way town, a, a, a messed up town, a forgotten town. And no one went to Bethlehem and no one talked about Bethlehem. But God has this unique way of going into obscure places and finding people. In fact, the Jewish story tells the story of King David. And King David was just this little boy. The Bible says that he was small for his size, that he had a ruddy complexion, in other words, probably sunburned. He, didn't, he wasn't handsome. And when it came time for, for Samuel to anoint the next king, he ends up at David's house. And all of David's brothers get paraded in front of the prophet. And the prophet says, no, 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 no. Is there not another? He says, well, there is this one boy that I have. He's the youngest, but he's out tending sheep. And it might take a while for us to find him. He is forgotten. And when they found him, they brought him before Samuel. And Samuel looks at David and says, you are the one that I have calling. And David went from a forgotten boy tending his father's sheep to becoming the greatest king in the history of Israel because God knows how to find forgotten people. Some of you feel like you're overlooked. Some, some, some of you feel like you, you can't be found. And let me tell you something, the eyes of the Lord are always roaming throughout the earth and he's looking for anyone whose heart is fully committed to himself. And I'm telling you, his eyes are on the sparrow. He feeds the birds of the air and his eyes are on you. He knows you. He sees you. He's finding you. He will rescue you. And I'm going to say one word tonight. I know that Christmas, I just read this report this week, that, that single people especially, that Christmas is increasingly difficult for singles. Some of you walked in here tonight and you're not with your family. You're not married. You're not dating anyone. And you feel single because you are. And you feel alone because you are. And the Lord just wants me to remind you tonight that he sees you. He knows you. And your singleness is not a problem for God. It's not a problem for us. We see you. We know you. We welcome you into this big, messy family tonight. Amen, New Life Church. If you walked in here alone tonight, I don't want you to walk out of here alone. God has a habit of finding people living in obscurity. Here's the last thing tonight. Is he became human so we could know God. I want you to think about the, the story of Jesus. 
who left heaven, was born of a virgin, was given to us by the Holy Spirit, but he was born from a woman. Now, a lot of people don't understand the importance of that. And Jesus was not transplanted from heaven as eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus and placed inside of Mary. He started out as an embryo. He started out as small, smallest possible cellular tissue. And Mary's body nurtured him the same way your bodies nurtured your children. He grew within Mary from her diet, from her strength, from what she consumed, he consumed. So God from his very genesis, from the very beginning has been nurtured by the human soul. He became fully human. And there's not one thing that you have experienced that Jesus did not himself experience. So he grew up, he was a kid. He was in junior high, all the students listen to me. Jesus knows what it's like to be 12 years old. Jesus knows what it's like to be 15, trying to figure out life. Jesus knows what it's like to be 20 and 21, trying to understand what his next step in life is. In fact, I believe that Jesus did not announce that he was the Messiah until he was 30 years old because he wanted to experience as much life as possible before he announced to us that he had come to re rescue us. He wanted to experience the full depth of humanity before he announced to us that he was the Messiah that had come to save us. He became tired and hungry. We see this in the Bible where oftentimes he was tired. He needed to sit down, he needed to eat, he needed to drink. And he was abandoned by his friends. Every, every, every Sunday we come here and we come to the table of the Lord and we confess on the night that he was betrayed. And we remind ourselves every single Sunday before we take the cup, before we take the bread, that he knows what it feels like to be abandoned by his friends. He was falsely accused. Some of you have been falsely accused this year and you've wondered to yourself, where was God in all that? Why did God leave me? Listen, God knows what it feels like to be falsely accused. And he died a real death. Jesus experienced the worst thing imaginable to show us the best thing possible. New Life Church, I have some really good news to you today. If you wanna know who God is, get to know Jesus. The full representation, the full embodiment of God is found in the person of Jesus. Jesus represents us to God and God to us. If you wanna know God, if we wanna know who God is, we look at Jesus. I want you to stand this tonight with me. I want you to take those candles that you got when you walked in. And moms and dads, this is the most dangerous part of the service. I'm about to hand an open flame to several hundred children. If you've not been attentive up to this point, I want you to dial in right now on the children around you. We have terrible insurance. <laughs> in just a moment, we're gonna probably do what you've come tonight for. We don't do this at the beginning, we wanna wait till the end for this. This is the climax of the night. In just a moment, we're gonna light these candles and we're gonna sing Silent Night, Holy Night. And that's the moment. I, don't want, it to, I, want, I want it to be sentimental because I think it does bring back memories. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I want it to be something more than that this year. We're living in a dark and violent world, the same type of world that Jesus was born into himself. And the prophecy about Jesus was that he would be a light breaking into the darkness. From, from a land of great darkness would come a light 
the New Life Church, I don't know what is dark in your world. Maybe you're not, maybe your home is great, but you're concerned about something in our, na- our nation or in our world. Maybe something here in our state, our, our area. Maybe you want whatever is troubling your heart tonight. I want you to speak to that. Whatever is weighing you down tonight, would you speak to that? And would you speak light and life into any place of darkness in your soul? Maybe tonight you've never ever asked Jesus to come and be Lord, Savior of your life. This is the moment right now for you to give your life over to the God who loves you, who knows you, who wants to rescue you. He wants to redeem everything about your life. Listen, you've not done one thing that Jesus has not already forgiven. In fact, Jesus has already made up his mind to forgive you. Forgiveness has already been paid for. All you have to do is say yes to that. That's good news, isn't it? And that sounds super easy because it is. All the heavy lifting, all the hard work has already been done by Jesus. So tonight, would you hold up that light? We're gonna, and we're gonna light the candles when we start singing. But I want you to speak light, speak life into whatever is troubling your soul tonight. Whatever place of darkness that you see around you, speak light and life to it. And parents, I just woke up this morning, the last thing before we sing. I woke up this morning especially burdened for parents who have prodigals. I was a prodigal in my home. I'm here because my parents did not quit praying for me. And I want to encourage you, not, don't give up. Don't quit praying for friends and family that have drifted away. The Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. And the Holy Spirit can draw people into, into light tonight. It can happen tonight. So as you light that candle, maybe you're weary from praying over this person. Don't give up on them. Pray one more prayer tonight that whatever darkness is surrounding the people that you love, speak light into them. Speak life into them, all right? Let's lift our candles. We're gonna light them together. The room's gonna light up. I hope you you walk out of tonight full of hope, full of joy, full of strength from what you're about to see because the light of the world, listen, the light always overcomes the darkness. Let's sing this together tonight.
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void and darkness hovered over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was brooding over the waters. And into that situation of darkness and chaos, the scripture says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And so tonight, for those of you who are struggling physically in your bodies, I say, let there be light in Jesus' name. For those of you who have a mind that is wandering right now and you're anxious, I say in Jesus' name, let there be light. For those of you who have an economic situation, poverty sweeping in or joblessness, I say, let there be light. Lord, we hold up our places of darkness to you. We hold up our concerns. And would you join me in saying that line out of Genesis 1, 2, 3, let there be light. And so Lord, we say come, fill us with your glory and fill us with your light and life. And I pray over my friends tonight, may the Lord our God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you his peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. You may extinguish the candle. What a beautiful time tonight in the presence of God. Merry Christmas to you. We'll see you here Sunday at 10 o'clock, one service. Go from here in God's grace and peace. Much love.